I can't think of a better one to start with than that song I just sang. As the stones fell on him, beating out his life, Stephen knew he'd soon be through with all toil and strife. He was looking and seeing Jesus. What does this verse of Scripture mean? He's the author and the finisher. He starts us off and He gives us what we need to make it to the finish line. And as Stephen was having an extremely difficult time, as he was having his life beaten out of him, as he was facing death, as he was standing with one foot in this world and one foot in the next, facing the ultimate persecution, what did he do? He looked to Jesus. He looked unto Jesus. And there he got what he needed to make it through another day. Who are you looking at? Who are you looking at in this world? Who are you looking to for everything that you have need of? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Scriptures here are pointing out in the book of Hebrews and it's indicating to us that we have to keep our eyes fixed on Him. In Him you have everything you have need of. Every single thing that you have need of. I know that in this place, with as many people that we have here this morning, there is so many things going on. There is so many closets. There is so much persecution. There are so many decisions that need to be made. There's things going on in families. There's things going on at the workplace. There's things going on at home. There's things going on in your finances. There's things going on with your children. If you're not in a storm, you're going to be in a storm. And, and you better have your eyes fixed on Jesus or the devil will take you down a rabbit hole that will never, ever, ever end. And you'll find yourself needing delivered when you could have walked right around it taking the hand of Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus Talking about the very first scripture, if we can go back one there, Mr. Kevin, just one so people can see they don't even have to look at their Bible. Just looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen at this part. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How could that be a joy? How could looking at the cross be a joy to Jesus Christ? It was the most shameful, most degrading way to die. It was set aside for the, for the world's worst as we've talked about in this sanctuary many, many times. How could nine-inch spikes penetrating your skin and into a plank of wood be something that you would call a joy? How could He endure such a thing? How could He despise the shame of it? How could He despise the persecution? How could He despise being spit on? How could He despise being crowned with a crown of thorns? How could He despise His beard being pulled out by the roots? How could he despise bleeding and being bludgeoned nearly to death with the cat of nine tails? Because he saw the ending from the beginning and it was a joy. The sun, Friday was the shame. Friday was the problem. Sunday was the joy. Mm, take that devil. Friday was the shame. Friday was the hurt. Friday was the pain. But Sunday, mm, man... More joy cometh in the morning when you endure the cross. He looked to what Sunday was going to bring. And when the stone rolled away, there was hope for us all in Jesus Christ. That should make somebody in the place want to say amen. amen. Yes. 
Jesus did that. Looking to the end from where he was at. He despised where he was at because his faith told him, I'm going to raise again. I'm going to raise from the grave. I'm going to rise up and this grave cannot hold me down. The prophecies that said, oh grave, where is thy sting and victory? He knew he would defeat that. He saw the end. He didn't look at where he was at. And you'll notice when you study the Scripture and we be, you become a student of the Word, you'll see Paul in his missionary journeys and you'll see him in prisons and in bonds. He didn't say, oh God, woe is me. He didn't look at his current situation. He praised the Lord and looked to Jesus and God delivered every time. What are you looking at? You get caught up in your problems and man, I don't know how I'm going to get, all, get, get out of this situation. We get stuck in a rut. We look at our situation and go, oh man, I can't believe I got myself involved in this. I can't believe that this has happened to me and befell me. We look at things and we think that we can't conquer, conquer them. We stand before great mountains and our hands tied behind our backs and we go, Lord, what are we going to do with this situation? Look at the end from where you're at. Believe and trust in Jesus, the author and the finisher of, of our faith. He began this thing. He's big enough. He's good enough to end the thing. And nothing catches him by surprise. God didn't wake up this morning and go, Oh, look at what befell my servant Jess. I can't believe that just happened. He's already made a way for you. You just need to latch on, believe, trust, and let go, and let God, and let Him deliver you. Let Him deliver you. Let me assure you of something, that Jesus Christ knows exactly where you're at. Like I said, trust me, I don't need to know, I don't need you to raise your hands, I've been in this life long enough to, to tell you, there are problems in this world. There are things you don't want to share with people. There are secret things, closets that's full of skeletons and ghosts under the bed. Trust me, I know. But God knows. He knows all things and He sees all things. What can I count on when I look to Jesus? First, you'll find rest. Peaceful rest. Doctors keep trying to treat spiritual problems with physical things. You cannot solve it that way. There's not a drink or an elixir out there that you can take that can solve your issue. It will compound it. There's not a pill out there that will relax you and give you rest. There's rest for the body and then there's rest for the soul. Doctors spend a lot of time treating physical things when actually there are spiritual things that need to be taken care of. This kind of peace, when he says, I will give you peace for your souls, he says right here. Listen to this. He says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Come unto me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Now, he's not talking about coming and taking a yoke and actually putting it on you. He's speaking to the spiritual side of you, the Bible says. As a man thinks, so is he. What's going on in your heart and in your mind controls you. It can take you over. It can dominate you. It can even create stress within you and can kill you. 
I've known of people that have had heart attacks that was just nothing more than stress. A spiritual thing. A perspective thing. And how you see things. I've been doing this for decades. And let me tell you, I've sat at the bed with people who are, who are suffering and ill because they just don't have a good perspective. How are you? Where are you? Look to Jesus. He's bigger than you and your problems. He'll give you rest. This kind of rest isn't something that you can find in this world. Stop looking. Stop. Stop trying to go bowling to get it. Stop trying to, trying to go watch the Lexington Legends, I believe they're called. You ain't going to find it there either. You're not going to find it in a Bud Light. You're not going to find it in a cigarette. You're not going to find it in marijuana. You're not going to find it in heroin, heroin or opioids of all kinds. The kind of rest that you're seeking, you keep trying to fix with natural, carnal things. It can only be found in the blood-bought, born-again believer who believes in Jesus Christ and has given everything to Him and looks unto Him. I'm telling you, if you haven't experienced this kind of peace, it's, a, it's, it's unreal. It's the kind of thing where all your burdens are lifted. No matter where you're at. He says, I prepare for you a table in the presence of your enemies. What? A table in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? That means we can sit down and dine and all hell's breaking loose around you. That's what that means. Hell is all around you. Satan is all around you. But God said, I can give you peace. Why? Because I'm there. Because I'm there. You can't do anything without Him. He can open the doors that no man can shut. And He can shut the door that no man can open. He can give you favor with people. The one thing you should pray for at your workplace and around everyone that you participate in life with is favor with them. Favor. That God would grant you favor in people's eyes. Why? So that you can reach them. Rest. I'll give you rest. Are you burdened down? Do you have burdens? What do you mean burdens? Have you ever lifted something and carried a long way and man, you just didn't think you was going to be able to make it? I'm not talking about that kind of burden or work so hard or walk so far you didn't think you could go any further at all. In sports, we used to run, 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 run. And the coach would say, when you give up, run more. I knew a wrestler who, who was a state champion. And you'd see him running, he'd be 20, 30 miles from home. And he'd get to where he was running. And I said, how are you going to get home? He said, when I'm tired and I, I've ran enough, I'm going to run back home. That's the tenacity that you have to have to be a winner. And you have to have that in Jesus Christ. When you don't think you can go further, you can with Jesus. Persecution is coming. The lady that you all, you all was just talking about that wouldn't serve the, uh, I believe it was the homosexual community, is that correct? It's going to come to you too. Listen, you can't be woke. I'm sorry. You've got to be a Christian. What this Bible says we have to do. It's not my way. It's His way. 
Jesus said, like, like has been said before, he's not in heaven saying, let's make a deal. He says, this is the deal. That's the bottom line. And you have to understand that. You're his servant. This is the mindset. This is what will save you. It's what got really Jesus killed. It was his mission to die for us. But they killed him because he would not. He would not bend and break. He would not adhere to society's wants and desires. That of the Sanhedrin, that of the scribes and the Pharisees. He stood apart for them and he stood for the truth and they killed him. That's a fact. What we're looking at Jesus do? Forgiveness for your past. Are you struggling with your past? With all the people that's in this building, let me tell you, you've got a past. Raise your hand if you've got a past. Well, we all do, don't we? Because we're living right now in the present. We've had to have had some sort of a past, whether good or bad. And sometimes it's hard to forgive you. You have a problem with you. And Satan will dwell in your memories and he'll dwell in your thought life and he'll, he will condemn you to where you won't be able to enjoy and experience the peace of God because you're so fixated on what God has already taken care of. Taken care of. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Are you carrying around regret with your past? Oh man. Don't say amen, say oh me. One, two, three. Yeah. We've all made mistakes. We all have regrets. We all have done things. Has what you've done before, is it controlling what you're doing now? Are you constantly looking back, hoping, and letting your past make all your future decisions? Are you not looking at Jesus, you're looking behind you? The Bible says, put your hand upon the plow and look forward. Letting go of the past. Looking to what's ahead. Gazing at what God wants you to do. And shooting for it. Going for it. Are you locked in the prison that Satan has kept you in? Your past sins, your past regrets. You can't seem to get over, over those and you're standing in the miry clay and your feet are just stuck in the mud and you're in a place of, 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 of apathy. And you just can't move. And you're just done. Because you're looking at your past and you're letting it keep you in prison. Were you once an alcoholic? Did you do some shameful things? Join the club. Do you think, did you do things that you hope someone doesn't remember? Join the club. Man, I'm preaching this morning. This is, this is the real world, ain't it? It's the real world, ain't it? God is your answer. It doesn't matter what men think. The difference between God's forgiveness and man's forgiveness is God forgives and forgets forever. Man remembers, forgives and remembers and forever holds it against you. I can tell you what I've done wrong to my wife 32 years ago because I'm reminded of it every now and then. Can I get an amen? 
She can remember what clothes I was wearing 32 years ago when we went somewhere. And if I don't remember, I hear about that. I'm reminded. How about you? You have some burden. I feel like this. I feel like somebody's got some burden. Something. Something that's holding you back. Something that God needs to deliver you, release you from. That can only happen through Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Hear me. Whoever you are, God can release you. It's with Him. He provides forgiveness. Satan will keep you locked into the past if you let him. He'll keep you stuck. And you have a hard time forgiving you. How can I forgive me of that? Many, many years ago in, in, my, in this ministry, Jesus Christ, I'll always say my ministry, but it's not mine, it's His. He just put me here. I had a Vietnam vet calling me all hours of the night. I might have told you this, this before. He'd call me 2 o'clock in the morning. Pastor, yeah, God can't forgive me, can He? I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? Hold, just tell me what's going on. Crying. You could hear him weeping. I had to kill children. They had bombs on them. And they were running at us. And I had to shoot them. What about those men that I killed hand to hand? I looked them in the eye and I shot them and they died right in front of me. God can't forgive me. I said, listen to me. He said, it says thou shalt not kill. I said, let me tell you, I love the King James Version, but that is a misrepresentation and a misrendering of the word. He goes, what do you mean? I said, it's not thou shalt not kill in the Hebrew. When you look into the Hebrew, it says thou shalt not murder. He said, what's that mean? I said, murdering is done with an evil intent and a diabolical compelling, compelling from a sinful background, pushing you to do something evil like domestic violence or you catch someone cheating, you kill them or you get so angry at somebody at the, at the, at, when, when you're driving down the road, you pull your gun on, you just shoot them. I said, but the Bible says there is a time to kill. I said, so why would it say thou shalt not kill? Well, that don't make no sense. No, it don't. Thou shalt not murder is what the Hebrew says. I said, there is a time to kill and you were in that. And he started to come out. And God started to deliver. How about you? Would you like to stand on a war front like the one that's going on? God said, David was a man of valor. And he killed thousands of people. Yet he was the apple of God's eye. Sometimes there is a time. Look at those people. Look at the destruction. Do you think that can't be you? One rocket enters our airspace from a madman. And it's on. Then what? Then what? You think that can't happen? Do you need forgiveness from your past? Have you murdered someone in your mind with gossip? From your tongue? That's just as mean and evil and just as real as if you pulled the trigger or stuck a knife in. 
Have you forever ruined someone when you press sin? And the world wide web experienced it. Hmm? What are you carrying that God needs to forgive you of? Maybe He has. You just haven't forgiven you. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the whole problem. We can forgive others, but we can't forgive ourselves. If you've lived very long on this planet, you will go through things. You will be tempted with things and you will fail with things. You will fail. It's okay. That's being human. But you have a Savior who wants to hear from you. Are you ready? Are you ready to finally give in? Lastly, relief from fear. When you look to Jesus, He takes away the fear. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear not, for I am with thee. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Is something making you afraid? Are you afraid to make a move for Jesus? You know what I get told a lot, what I've heard a lot in this, this these decades of doing this, is people say, well, I, I'm afraid to really give in because, you know, I don't want to lose all this fun that I'm doing. I have fun doing this. I, I feel like I'd have to give all that up. Let me tell you something. When God saves you, He gives you a burning desire. You don't know what fun is until you know Jesus Christ. You don't know what true joy is until you know the Lord. I'm telling you that. I've been there and done that. I hit the home run that won the game. I ran the touchdown that won the game. I thought that was the greatest apex moment that life could ever bring. Let me tell you, until I met Jesus, that's nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. There is no fun on this earth that compares with the joy that comes from on high. Thank God, man. Thank God. Are you afraid? Are you fearful? Satan knows how to make jail cells out of every single thing that, you, that, uh, that, that can oppose God in your life. And he'll convince you to think you can't get out until you look at Jesus. And that blessed little... I'm going to tell you something. There's just something about Him. When that little Savior came, when that Messiah came... Now, I want you to picture this. He come, he was, had this presence about him. He would come by and things would change. There was no way that you could look at him and not experience change. There is no way that you could be around him and not experience the, the power of God. And when he looked at these old boys who thought they had a good life and they were fishermen, and he walked right by them and said, You, follow me. And what they do, they got up and they left. They left everything. Because the power of God was right there with them. When he looked into your eyes, he saw your soul. <coughs> he didn't see you as man sees you. He looked right at you, brother, and he sees you for who you are. Why? He was there when he made you. He breathed the breath of life into you. He was there at the conception. He was there knowing what He was going to make in you, what He was going to do with you. You were in that place of the souls and He designed in you, you what He wanted to do with you. And when He passes by, He changes things. Amen. 
He'll leave things undone. He makes a remarkable change in people's lives when the Hebrew looks at you. You look at him and he'll change you. You look at him, he'll change you. He will change you. In the book of Acts, Peter just passing by, the shadow of the anointed brother, demons would come out. Demons would come out. Our God is an awesome God, church. He's an awesome God. He's a change. He's a God that represents change, good things. He's powerful. Can you imagine walking up to him and speaking to him, in which we're going to get that one day, Brother Jess? We're going to get that one day. Can you imagine him praying at the tomb of Lazarus? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being one of the witnesses that seen him jump up on a cloud and ascend into heaven? And the angel standing by, where are you gazing up into heaven, y'all? The same Jesus is coming back the same way. All the faith they must have had, the faith that they had. He changes things when you look at him. John in the Revelations was scared. He seen him coming and he fell to the ground as one dead. His eyes were on fire and his hair was like wool and his skin was like bronze. And man, when he stepped, it was thunder. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the anointed one, Mashiach. Yahshua was his real name. Yahshua. You speak that name and you look into his eyes and brother, he's there. He said we're two or more gathered together. I'm there and I'm in the midst. Who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Look at the Hebrew and let him change you. Look at the Hebrew and take him by the hand. And let Him revive you. Man, I'm thankful for Easter coming on. I feel the anointing of God. I'm not one as one dead. I'm alive again. I've been raised inside. I'm a new man. How about you? Have you got something you need to let go of? Stand with me. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Are you looking? Who are you looking at? You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at someone who's looking good. I'm looking at someone who we all was very deeply concerned about. And she's here today. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody want to come? Anybody want to come? I love y'all, church. I can say I love you and I don't know you. Because I can love you in the Lord's love. Come. Come, somebody. Come. Is there someone who needs to come to the altar and look to Jesus? Do not be afraid. 
Don't let Satan steal this from you. My goodness, he's there trying to take from you. Come. Anybody need to come? 